huh, you know, it's hard to come up with a funny intro when you don't have a narrowly focused topic. So let me just tell you a quick dad joke to warm us up. How do you follow Will Smith in the snow? You follow the Fresh Prince. <laughs> Welcome back to the comics that we love, a show where I sit down with a guest each week to take our favorite stories and comics and dissect what makes them great. Sometimes the creators themselves will join in and help us understand their process and how they attack their work. I am the voracious reader your parents warned you about. Yeah, I'm dangerous, cause reading. This intro is falling apart. And also your host, Zach McCrary. So, it's been a hot minute since I had the chance to play catch-up on my ever-growing stack of comics, and this past week I decided to whittle down the queue just a, just a little bit and make the stack look just a smidge less daunting. And of course, since I did that, I want to share with all of you the amazing books I got to read and maybe turn you onto something awesome in the process. But before I divulge my deepest, darkest secrets with you, I would like to let you know that if you want to support the show, you can hang some dollars on the money tree over at patreon.com forward slash tctwl. We'll give you a shout out on the show, and there's levels for cool stuff like getting episodes a few days before their normal drop date, as well as my extra show, The post credit Scene, where me and my guests continue our conversation after recording the comics that we love, plus more to come. I'm thinking of new fun ideas as we speak. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash tctwl. Cool. And now, without further ado, let's do that thing that brings all of us the most joy. Let's talk about comics. I wanted to start with a book coming out of Marvel, but it's nothing you'd expect. Honestly, it's kind of a shame that no one is talking about this comic at all. At least no one I've listened to or read. That's Tiger Division by Emily Kim, art from Chris Lee, colors by Yen Nitro, and letters by Ariana Mar. Mar? Maher? I apologize for butchering your name. This is the story of South Korea's premier hero squad, known as Tiger Division. There was a Korean-language comic back in 2014 called Avengers Electric Rain that included both teams. It's available in English as well now. They've also popped up in Black Cat and Taskmaster comics, besides some video games. I first saw their leader, White Fox, in the Contest of Champions book that tied into the smartphone game a few years back. Did an episode on that comic series, by the way. Check it out. Guest was Miles Trout from Disc Dump Podcast. Yeah, shout out. So the team is led by White Fox, who is actually the last remaining shape-shifting nine-tailed fox in existence, and also the director of South Korea's National Intelligence Service. Her field commander is the Korean Superman analog Taeguk Ki, which I love. The, see, the Korean flag is known as Taeguk Ki. 
you know what? L- let me just read from the book and it'll it'll tell you the team. So White Fox assembled a team of superpowered individuals. This is from the comic. Take a key, the powerhouse who packs a punch. Lady Bright, a card-wielding sorcerer. Mr. Enigma, a street-brawling demigod. The General, a living totem. Gunnar 2, a fast-talking robot. And Luna Snow, a cryokinetic pop star. I've read the first three issues now, and Emily Kim does a great job of dropping us in, letting us know this team has existed for a while and has history, and easily filling us in on some. The story has been a bit of a mystery so far with the questions, why did someone steal an ancient Asgardian object from the Korean military? Why were Tiger Division led into a trap? And why does whoever is doing this want Taeguk Ki so badly? Along the way, Taeguk Ki, uh, real name Taewon, has been seeing the ghost of his mother who is telling him to come clean about his past and save the world. So clearly there's a lot going on with him that even his team doesn't know about. Issue 3 really dives into that, but I don't want to spoil it for you. Give this a read, folks. It's a Marvel comic not bogged down by tons of continuity with a fun team that you can get to know for the first time. I always enjoy that. I'm really digging it, and I plan to see the limited series through. Not sure how many issues we're going to be getting, but I'm here for it. Second up on the list, there is this amazing book from Image and Skybound Comics called Chroma that I've been wanting to talk about for well over a month. It's written and drawn by Lorenzo De Felici and lettered by Russ Wooten. I've got to tell you, reading this feels the same way I felt the first time as a child when I watched Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal. De Felici has created this beautiful fantasy world where color has become the enemy for humanity. The opening images of the book are a gorgeous multicolored bird flying across a bright blue sky, being struck down by a bird of prey. It falls to the ground inside of a city in stark black and white, and directly in front of a young boy who we find is also only in black and white, and he looks terrified by this vibrant but dead fallen bird. The lore is that there is a king of color who rules over the land and humanity, but one day, man in his hubris decided that the vast array of colors the king provided weren't enough, so man created a new one. The king was so angry that he created demons to destroy humanity, but the humans figured out that these demons that look like giant three-eyed alligators were blind to black and white, so humanity built a pale city, that's what it's called, the pale city, from white clay and kept all color out, even their skin and hair paled and darkened to black and white over the generations. So the story starts out by following an orphan named Zet, who is part of a group called the Maka. There are young boys who are learning to be priests of the Pale City. The leader of the city, the Makavi, he's like the Pope, but also the mayor and governor. He's, and he's also a priest of this colorless religion, uh, preaching the dogma against the king of color, But there are cracks in that foundation, and on a special day for the city and its people, Zet sees those imperfections and begins to question everything. I honestly don't want to give you any more of a synopsis than that. As of this episode, the comic is three issues into a four-issue run. The last one comes out in April. They're all a, a lot bigger than a normal issue. They're really nice. There's plenty of time to catch up, and I really think you should. 
I can't recommend this one enough, folks. So much that when it's all wrapped up, you'll see it on the comics that we love sometime before the end of the year. I really want to sit and break everything down about this book that makes it great. It's that good. Like It has to be on the show just immediately. DeFelici knows what he's doing. He's made amazing art for many books, including working with Robert Kirkman on Oblivion Song. But I really think he's outdone himself here. Not only do we have an absolutely gorgeous piece of sequential art to ogle, but we're also getting a great fantasy story that will simultaneously warm and break your heart. I can't wait for the final issue to release so that I can see where Chroma takes us. Next comic I've been catching up on is the Murder World miniseries from Marvel Comics. Yeah, Marvel has a book called Murder World. Never thought Emperor Mouse would allow that, but they did. It's co-written by Ray Fox and Jim Zub. If Zub is on a book, I'm going to read it. Period. Art by Luca Pizzari. Colors from Matt Milla, or Mia, I apologize. And letters by Corey Petit. Zub and Fox had this idea something like 17 years ago and have tried to pitch it before, but it wasn't until recently that the opportunity to play in the Marvel world with this story presented itself to Zub. He's so hot right now. Yeah, Zoolander references. I'm so hip to the times. This is an arcade story, like the villain arcade, I mean. The idea is, when Arcade isn't trying to trap and kill superheroes in his giant fun houses of death, what's he doing for money? The answer? He puts on Squid Game-style fun house runs for the dark web, and makes millions from rich sycophants who enjoy watching people die and betting on who wins. Honestly, what I like most about this story is that it isn't about superheroes. It's the story of these 200 people trying to survive. Each issue is viewed from the perspective of a different person as they dodge death left and right. Arcade has gotten a hold of the latest in life model decoy technology and has his team create various superheroes to, to go in and kill his contestants. So each issue is a number one and has the subtitle of a superhero because that's who is dispatching people in that round. The first was Murder World Avengers. The second was Murder World Spider-Man with various spider folk. The third was Murder World Wolverine with the Wolfie family. And this most recent one was Murder World Moon Knight. But he rolls solo because he's Moon Knight. And I absolutely love what they did with Moon Knight in that issue. I'm, I, I'm not going to tell you any more than that, but it's a lot of fun. If you're a fan of things like Saw or Squid Games, but you also like a bit of gallows humor, this book is for you. I've been enjoying the hell out of it. Yes, eventually we do get a superhero who is trying to thwart Arcade's plans, but it's totally the B story, which I think is wild. Marvel doesn't step out and do stuff like this very often, so I'm all about Murder World. One issue left, it's only a five-parter, so it's easy to catch up with and we'll wrap up shortly. Next is Where Monsters Lie number one. It dropped from Dark Horse recently. It's written by Kyle Starks with art from Piotr Kowalski, colors from Vladimir Popov, and letters by Joshua Reed. I first heard about this comic through a podcast interview with Starks on First Issue Club. Shout out to them. It sounded like something up my alley, and I patiently awaited its release. I was not disappointed. The idea of the book is that there's this secret, gated community filled with horror movie-type villains who fit all the slasher stereotypes you got. Killer clowns, puzzle-obsessed killers, big, dumb, blockhead juggernaut killers, 
There's even a guy named Fuckmaster. I'm gonna have to bleep that. You'll figure out what it means. They all live here and are basically taken care of between what their caretakers call excursions. In other words, when they're allowed to go out and murder people. But there are rules they need to abide by while they're at home in the town of Wilmhurst. You don't leave your garbage cans visible. That's a finable offense. It's in the HOA. <laughs> that's, that's really in the story. And also, as Zell, the tiny old lady caretaker of the neighborhood, puts it, you don't shit where you eat. In other words, no killing in Wilmhurst. Ah, that Zell, she's a spitfire. Of course, someone breaks that rule and a victim gets away, and that's going to lead to all the crap hitting the fan. And I'm here for it. Where Monsters Lie doesn't shy away from the blood and guts of it all. Kowalski's art is great. So much detail. Not necessarily in the brutality. I mean, it's there. But in general. Very vivid scenes. And Starks has a way with words where he can't seem to help making tongue-in-cheek jokes. Even though I recognize we're dealing with a town full of murderers and I should hate them. I'm very entertained by their witty back and forths, which is kind of important since they're the ones we're following through this narrative. I don't know if they're witty back and forths, actually, now that I think about it. Some of them are just idiots, but the, the writing is witty. Let's put it that way. The writing is witty. If you're a horror movie buff, I think Where Monsters Lie should be right up your alley as well. Issue number one was a great setup and proposed a lot of questions, and the cliffhanger for issue number two has me ready for March 1st, so I can get my hands on that book. Last up, but not least, another one I've been looking forward to. I read issue number one of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, Lost Years. That one is out of IDW, written by Kevin Eastman, of course, one of the creators, and Tom Waltz. The art is broken up into two parts, same as the story, the team on Then is S.L. Gallant on pencils and Mariah Keene on inks. The Now is Ben Bishop on pencils and inks. And Kevin Eastman has a one-page drawing of Splinter's journal in that, in that section. It was very cool. Colors both for Now and Then are Luis Antonio Delgado. And our letterer is Sean Lee. This is a big-ass team. So this book simultaneously gives you a story... Post the events of The Last Ronin with April and her daughter Casey training four new tiny turtles to be ninjas. Casey has taken it upon herself and is dealing with the frustration of trying to train baby mutant turtles in martial arts. It's hard. Go figure. We jump back and forth between that and Michelangelo telling us the story of what he did after the death of his whole family. So we are getting a much more in-depth look at that period than we got in The Last Ronin, which is cool. So far, this issue is all set up for our two arcs. Casey struggles to do what she thinks her sensei Mikey would have wanted while not feeling good enough to do it. Meanwhile, in our past sections, Michelangelo is being set up to face off with a big-time crime boss called Deathworm. It did a great job of hooking me in. The new turtles, Odin, Moja, Una, and Yi, are all very cute and acting as rugrats, or rug turtles should. And I'm intrigued to find out more about the big bad and how Mikey deals with it. Should be a good time. The second issue comes out on March 13th. I am pretty excited about it because I loved The Last Ronin. And it's just cool to me to see Eastman continue playing in this Ronin verse and get to continue telling stories about the characters he helped create. 
It's pretty sweet. You want one more? Ah, let's give you one more. This next one is out of Image Comics and Arancia Studios out of Italy, having teamed up for a six-part comic series from Tim Seeley, artist Zulema Scato Lavina, and colorist Valentina Cuomo, along with letterer Maurizio Clausi. The book is called Hexware. Image describes it as a book with anime flair, quote, where Cyberpunk 2077 gets drenched in the supernatural and goes full throttle Devil May Cry. Actually, I don't think I could give it a better synopsis, so let me just pull it straight from their website. Quote, In a corporate-ruled world where class inequality is greater than ever, a desperate, lonely populace is drawn to neo-spiritualism and hedge magic. When their teenage daughter is murdered, the Marx family is left asking the gods what they did to deserve this. But their android maid, Witchware, has a different approach. Perhaps if she asked the devil. So right off the bat, you figure out that there is something a little too human about this robot girl. Especially when she continuously has to remind herself to think like a human. The deal made with the devil put the teenage girl into the robot body of the android maid named Witchware. That's not really a spoiler, folks. Trust me, you figure it out real quickly. But there's a lot more to it than that. Because again, the robot made a deal with the devil. This book just dropped its third issue. I've read two so far. I love the art so much. It's nonstop beautiful. Scotto Lavina and Cuomo do a great job of making this feel like a future world that hangs tediously between lovely and vibrant and dirty pit of despair, depending on how much money you have. We start to understand how this dystopia works really fast, and the characters are all very fun especially our main protagonist. You'll know the book when you see it. The covers are wild and definitely have that cyberpunky feel they're going for. Look for the hot anime girl in a witch hat. Okay, that's really it this time. I need to be leaving in the next 10 minutes to drink copious amounts of beer and watch Prog Metal Live. So, let's wrap this up. All these books have been a joy to read. God, it's great to be a comics fan in this day and age with so many publishers allowing the plethora of talent out there to release great stories. Am I right? Get out there, check these books out, support your local comic shops and the industry as a whole, especially the indie comics scene. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. And that's a wrap for this week. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star review and leave us a user review on your favorite podcast app. It'll really help the show continue to grow and find new listeners. You know what else will? Tell a friend. Tell ten. If they like comics, they should know about the comics that we love. If you want to support the show and get lots of extra podcasts and other content as well, there is a Patreon that helps keep the lights on and internet connected so that we can continue bringing you that sweet nerd media. Links to that in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the show, and as always, keep reading, keep dreaming, peace. The Comics That We Love